Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. And joining me is Gabriel Rene. He's the CEO of Versus AI. Good morning, Gabriel. Good morning. Great to be here. So, Gabriel, for those that aren't familiar with Versus, uh, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Absolutely. Uh, Versus is a cognitive computing company. It's a fancy way of saying we're an AI company. Um, we've got a, a team of uh, mostly folks out of the Silicon Valley tech space combined with a phenomenal group of um, neuroscientists that specialize in a category of neuroscience called computational neuroscience. And what we've done is we've, we've essentially built a world's first AI operating system uh, that allows third parties to develop AI applications on, um, and as many of us are aware, uh, as we've gone into 2023, AIs are becoming the new application. So like in 2007, there were you know, practically zero smartphone apps. Now there's 5 million smartphone apps and 3.5 billion users around the world in 15 years. AI is um, you know, positioned to do that new thing, and we believe we're positioned to become the new uh, cloud-based operating system that these AI applications are, are built, run, and, and sort of the marketplace that they're sold in. Okay. And, and just curious, why does, do these apps require an operating system? What, what benefit does that give them? Well, every application uh, has required an operating system from the, the programs we ran on our, on our, on our desktops uh, to the browsers and, and, and websites that we, we run on the, on the web on our laptops, to the, to the mobile apps that we use today on our smartphones, um, there's a slight difference, which is that AI being the new kind of application that's emerging here is not tethered to a single device. And so you're going to want artificial intelligence applications that are able to work across devices. In the sort of new, new era here, what, what that means is the Internet of Things, uh, where you're looking at you know, hundreds of billions of devices that are coming online. Uh, the ability for an artificial intelligent agent, let's say a personal assistant that you have, to be able to interact with you that you can text to or talk to, regardless of what device you're on, whether you're on your laptop or on your desktop or on your phone or in your car, and, and you're going to want it to interact with those other devices as well, uh, including things like, hey, can you turn off or on my, my Nest device, uh, my thermostat? You're going to want them to be aware of, of um, information that comes from multiple devices in order to optimize things for you, whether that's in order to guide a bunch of robots uh, in the manufacturing process in a warehouse, um, or to be able to uh, you know, identify when you're out of town and to turn off the, uh, the thermostat while you're gone. Very good. So where are you with this? At, at what stage? Um, so we started uh, in R&D when we launched the company back in 2018, about five years ago. Um, we started building some of our own AI agents and applications at that time with a focus on supply chain and logistics, uh, sort of human augmentation inside of, of warehouses. Um, we also built some solutions for the European Commission for autonomous drone flights. Um, and we're building some other ones that are helping companies to be able to kind of real-time MRI on their, their real-world operations and be able to talk to an agent about any of their data relative to the, the operate, operations of their company. Um, and we've been rolling those out and getting some you know, market traction, um, um, 
revenue uh, over the last couple of years. We took the company public in June uh, on the Neo Exchange in Canada, and um, we are uh, in the process of now rolling out our Cosm operating system uh, this summer for um, developers, enterprises, and consumers to be able to customize their own AI uh, agents and applications for anything. And so the, the, um, the rest of this has sort of been uh, the build-up to this moment where we can let people start to self-serve and, and build their own solutions. And is the operating system um, separate from the uh, uh, warehouse solution? The warehouse solution is an app in the same way that you could think of Apple Maps being um, something that runs on the iOS operating system on the phone. So yeah, all, all of the market-based solutions are applications. The operating system is just a big orchestrating um, capability set in the background that allows you to both develop these AI applications and run them on the platform so that that Wayfinder application, which is an AI navigating agent uh, for warehouse workers, you know, runs uh, on the Cosm platform in the cloud. Um, but it is, it is separate in that same way that that a program or, or a mobile app is separate from the operating system but requires it to run on it. I, I was thinking in terms more like um, division or revenue generating versus pre-revenue. Uh, yeah, we, we, we sold that out for money. And the uh, very first customer that we tested that with produced 35% productivity gains over the state-of-the-art solutions. Um, this essentially kind of weighs for warehouse workers. The AI agent guides the worker through, say, 20 picks in the warehouse by, by being able to understand the, those locations in three-dimensional space. Again, kind of like an Uber driver doesn't need to know, um, you know all the museums and restaurant locations in Manhattan, but they can kind of outdrive <laughs> out a, a cabbie who maybe has been there for 30 years. It's the same sort of concept. And we, um, we got a... $26.5 million 10-year contract from that first uh, customer, which is essentially the, the result of just a, a pilot. Um, and then we have since uh, signed a deal with the largest warehouse uh, management software um, player in the space called Blue Yonder, uh, who has about 3,500 uh, global customers. Some of the biggest brands in the world run their, run their distribution centers off of their warehouse uh, solution, and they're now integrating our Wayfinder agents into uh, their platform, and they're reselling it to those 3,500 customers. Very nice. So are you developing these apps yourselves, or are other people putting their apps on your operating system? Just like the way that Apple, when they first rolled out the iPhone, which you may recall in 2007, Steve Jobs walked out and said, hey, here's, here's this next generation device. Um, the first apps that were built on, on iOS, their operating system, were all built by Apple. It was Apple Maps, it was Calculator, it was email. Uh, today, uh, you know, I would be shocked if you had anything but Calculator on, on your phone because it's all built by the, the millions of other developers that have been built on top of that platform. So that's the exact same formula. We started by demonstrating the capabilities of the, the system by building and monetizing some of our own applications. And there's a revenue bearing, a revenue driving now, and continues to scale. But we're not in the business of making applications. We're in the business of enabling others to make applications and taking fees, just like Apple does today. 
Okay, but but is there a, a, a sizable market for the applications you are making, or are those you just want those as a test to to drive other people to use your operating system? Well, the very first customer, you know, signed a eight-figure check, so I think right. there's a sizable market, right? Um, and through yonder, uh, you know, I'd expect to see one to two million dollars a year per customer. Um, so whether you see us converting 10% or more just from that one agent with just that one reseller over the next you know, three to five years, you've got a pretty decent path to hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue um, with just the current applications. And, and the operating system, um, for, for others to use that, what's the revenue model look like for that? Um, well, for for enterprise, uh, you know, it's um, looks like typically eight figure lic annual license fees, uh, or sorry, se seven to eight figure annual license fees, uh, and then we're going to be rolling out consumer versions that'll probably be something closer to like a, a twenty dollar um, a month uh, for like a personal AI agent that you'll begin to use on a, on a daily basis. When you see something like ChatGPT go from zero users to 100 million users in 60 days, um, and then you know, monetize that with, a, with a, a sort of premium version of that along with the free version, you can see that the, the demand for these products that didn't exist at all in you know, Thanksgiving uh, is now you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not, if not more, uh, within, within really just a few months. And headline news can't seem to get enough, so it's just, starting to drive um, more and more awareness around this product set. So I think this is, this is going to be the new, um, the new gold rush, and we're going to see consumer applications of all kinds. Yeah, so, so maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I was thinking as an operating system, you have other companies that develop AI products and then put those on your operating system, and, and you charge those companies rather than the end user. Is, is that wrong? Uh, no, that's correct. But also, we're rolling out a consumer product that lets oh, okay. that lets consumers customize their own solutions. There's a there's a trend in the market um, for you know low code and no code capabilities. If you go back 20 years ago, you know if you can't write HTML, you can't make your own website. But today, you can just go to Squarespace. As someone who's never never been an engineer, never coded anything, doesn't don't know anything about coding or or software engineering and build yourself a website. Why can't you do that with an AI? Sure. Well, and, and so, with us, you'll be able to. Okay. And so that I get, but for those that other companies using, that have AI that are user operated, is, is that something they're going to pay for, or is that something you're just providing? No, that's something they'll pay for. Today, you've got companies like C3.ai, that will, you know, people, the Fortune 500s will pay millions or tens of millions of dollars a year that will essentially take uh, their, the data from that enterprise, train an AI that this process takes months and costs hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to do, uh, and then to provide and host that AI for that company. Um, we're, we're talking about providing the same thing, but our process doesn't require months and months of training or a, a, a large team of data scientists to prepare your data. Our, our process allows for your data to automatically 
translate it into something that the AI can generate an understanding of and give you a real-time uh, feedback and analytics off of. So okay. yes, every company is, has been looking for that that kind of um, that kind of a solution for a long time. There are only a handful of players in the market that have been able to provide custom AIs, and in our our process, we're able to provide you an automated solution. It doesn't require a team of data scientists or months uh, to be able to prepare, and doesn't need millions of examples in order to to be trained on your data. But you can literally just give it whatever structured or unstructured data you have, and it'll make sense of that data and basically allow you to query over it. Okay. So as the seemingly next big thing, uh, there's a lot of companies going after AI. Where do you fit in the competitive landscape, and what's your edge, or where do you uh, believe you'll shine? Um, well, every other approach to AI in the enterprise space requires you to have your own team of data scientists, which is not your business. Uh, or requires you to hire C3.ai to build a custom solution um, for you. Um, our platform allows you to basically generate uh, an artificial intelligence from your data. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of expertise. Um, the AI is the intelligent process itself. So um, that allows you to generate uh, essentially an analytics dashboard for your business that will allow you to perform an MRI and talk to an agent about all of the data in your business, um, regardless of whether you've prepared the, the data or not. So this is the, you know, um, the dream come true for every enterprise, because the problem that enterprises have today is that they have hundreds or thousands of different data points and data sets and different data systems. These systems don't, um, they're not really connected the data in them is not structured to be compatible or interoperable. And our, our, our platform automatically allows uh, you to make sense of that data by just uploading it into our system. And then the agent is able to perform on that. So <clears throat> this is the holy grail uh, for Fortune 500s um, that Deloitte and McKinsey and Accenture have been promising for 20 years, which is a 360-degree view of your, of your business. Today, that process is, is quite literally impossible to perform. Um, secondarily, uh, the artificial intelligence space today has largely um, gotten traction around the enhancement of current applications. So you see Microsoft and Google, Adobe, and a handful of others using AI to make it easier to interact with their products. But ultimately, where this is going is artificial intelligence's superpower is that it's it's able to provide a way for people to interact with computers without having to interact with the computer. Because you can interact in the most natural way through voice or through texting um, without having to create special commands um, and have the agent itself become the interface to your digital life. So just like the smartphone eclipsed the laptop, as the main sort of squeeze point or interface for all of most of your digital interactions, you're going to have a personal artificial intelligent agent that's going to provide that. So on the enterprise side, we're going to provide that as that key interface to your business to provide that sort of MRI on your data and be that GPS to recommend and sort of guide your business forward based on what your, your goals are. But that same capability can be applied to individuals, right? and us as, as users. And that's what the, this sort of key moment is about. 
And we think we're going to be able to provide that solution that allows people to customize these types of agents for any use case. Okay. Now, are you protected IP-wise? Yes. Okay. Through know-how or patents or, or what? Any good IP strategy should be a combination of patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets, especially in the technology space where patents are not a, necessarily the best form of protection. When the, for, for startups, when big tech can just steal your idea, pay you $50 million after 10 years when they've made you know a billion dollars off of the competing product. It's sort of like the cost of pollution for, you know, <laughs> for, for, for certain companies. So they can just build that in. So we have the former head of um, IP strategy for SAP uh, that, that drives our IP strategy, and it's a combination, uh, sort of a hybrid of those various different tools uh, in our IP tool belt. Okay. And then you, you mentioned warehouses. What are some of the um, end markets you guys are going after? All of them. Are, are there certain low-hanging fruits um, that will be a bigger pain point for those that will need your product sooner than others? No. Okay. And, and so, so... Let me uh, clarify. Okay, please. Let me clarify. What's the, what's, the, what's the best market for websites? Okay. What's the ideal market for a mobile app? Okay. When you're, when, you're, when you're providing a horizontal solution, you're not going after the markets. You're going after the people that are going after the markets. Right? So, so developers themselves are the ones that are building the ultimate solutions. Okay. Apple could not have predicted who would be building the most valuable apps. In fact, you can't predict from one quarter to the next, right? No one saw Facebook blowing up on, on mobile um, or, or Uber or DoorDash or, you know, pick, pick your category. Um, but what they did is they take 30% of everything, so they really don't care. Does that make okay. sense? Yes, yes. So you're going after the developers then? Yes. So as an operating system, our, our focus is enabling others to build solutions that then they, they monetize. And we monetize that. Okay. And then so we're a horizontal play, not a vertical play. Okay. And then how are you reaching your customers, marketing channel-wise? Well, uh, every developer in the world um, that was building a smartphone application um, in in last quarter of uh, of 2022, I wish there were tens of millions of them, um, has now been looking for a way to build artificial intelligence solutions. So it's easy if you've been building smartphone apps for the last 15 years. It's very difficult to be able to do that because there, with AI because there aren't a set of easy platforms to be able to do that. Um, and then there are large community, AI, AI communities that we're tapped into. In the enterprise space, you have the Deloitte's and Accenture's of the world. These are kind of effectively the big system integrators and developers for the Global 1000. Um, the vice chairman of, uh, former vice chairman of Deloitte is actually the chairman of our board today. Um, and so we have um, the head of uh, my uh, chief commercial officer for the company is former um, 
former leads of uh, Accenture Digital Group. In the enterprise space, it's mostly about driving awareness, um, you know, and, and partnerships and relationships with the system integrators, which we have a great position with. Um, and then in the broader space, it's really about getting traction in the market um, through developer communities, uh, which we have great relationships with uh, as well. Any partners? Well, yes. Um, Deloitte is a partner today. Um, we have a uh, we have a we have a partnership with a company called um, uh, well with Blue Yonder, who I mentioned earlier, who's essentially uh, our key reseller for for our Wayfinder agent. Um, we have a, a partnership with SVT Robotics, uh, who is the the largest manufacturing and supply chain robotics integrator in the space. Um, and we have, a, uh, we have a, a partnership with a nonprofit that we started called the Spatial Web Foundation, which developed the underlying technologies that we use today that essentially teach artificial intelligence um, agents the ability to model the human world, human knowledge, human experience. Uh, in this sort of modeling language. And there are 120 partners in a working group, of which I'm the chair of that working group, in the IEEE, which is the largest standards body in the world, standardized Wi-Fi, standardized Bluetooth, um, standardized Ethernet. Um, and we have you know, Honeywell and Volvo and uh, members from the European Com uh, Commission, the Ministry of Finance, the Federal Reserve, a um, handful of other AI ethics groups uh, and, and uh, big and small tech companies that are part of that group that goes through a process of standardizing the underlying technologies, uh, of which then COSM will be the first platform built on these standards, um, which is a huge driving, um, a real, real driver for adoption in both the enterprise uh, and government spaces. Okay. And I see you just raised some money. What's the, the main use of that? Uh, it's uh, continuing to build out the platform, which we'll start to roll out uh, this summer, uh, the Cosm platform, and, uh, and then ramp up on, on new features as we, we go to market uh, later this year. Okay. And as you go to market, um, is there more than one revenue model, or, or what does that look like? Uh, well, yes. There's, there's the enterprise model, which I, I think I, I highlighted before. There's some of the applications themselves. So there's the Wayfinder application. That's that, the reseller deal we have with Blue Yonder. Uh, there's the enterprise licenses, which we'd expect to see in that sort of seven to eight figure range. Uh, and then at some point in the, the near future, there'll be the, the user subscription uh, as well. Okay. And in terms of gross margins, it's all high, high software type margins? Yeah, it's largely software as a service in, in the, the sort of uh, sweet zone. Okay. Well, what's your biggest challenge? Um, the biggest challenge is helping investors understand that this is the biggest technology wave in modern history, that the, the largest opportunities uh, that exist in the space will happen at the horizontal level and not point solutions, which are going to get um, 
consolidated or killed over the next few years, that these, uh, these arcs are predictable. Like every 15 years, the entire technology stack shifts. So you have like computer programs in 1977. You've got websites and the World Wide Web in 1992. 15 years later, you get the iPhone in 2007. 2022, you go from those smartphone apps to now smart apps. And for them to realize that they are unlikely to be able to benefit financially from the tidal wave of opportunity because most of the opportunity for the first seven and a half years of that 15-year cycle come from VCs being able to invest in these early startups. And that we happen to be one of the very rare companies that have positioned ourselves to be in the public market with a horizontal solution at the beginning of the next wave that is a perfect exposure to AI. All of the other opportunities you have are not really with AI companies or they're with any company that's just going to slap AI onto the end of their name here, um, uh, which, is, which is not the best bet. And or you can wait you know, five to seven years for the VCs and, and strategic money to have figured out which ones are going to go public. And then at that point, you kind of missed the first 500 to 1,000x returns. So without the, the ability to understand exactly what's happening in essentially a venture market, around AI, even though you're seeing you know, commercial examples from the biggest companies in the world, um, how do you as an investor make a good bet? Well, either you can wait until it's very clear where you'll have missed the opportunity for the big returns, or you have to put some of your portfolio into this without having perfect clarity, in which case I would argue Versus is the best possibly positioned company in the space as a horizontal provider um, that happens to also be in the public markets and available right at the beginning of the wave. Now, is AI already mature enough for companies to really adopt it, or do we need faster chips, or, or, or what's needed to, to really to, uh, to energize growth for AI? Well, can I ask you, what are you aware of that has happened in AI um, since the beginning of the year? Well, just... You know what, what everybody hears in the press. You know the, the the GPT or whatever it's called. And what have you heard? Bing getting involved, things like that. And how, how have you heard Bing getting involved? Just from the press. What is the involvement that you heard though? What what do you, I'm asking? What do you understand about okay. AI's maturity? and usability in the market. I'm, I'm just curious. To, to Very little. That's why I'm asking you. You know, I've read a book on it. I've seen what, what I've seen in the press, but, but that's about it. So um, Microsoft's entire strategy as a company is, is solely pivoting around artificial intelligence. And in the last 60 days, they've changed all of their products to basically be based on AI. So Microsoft Office will now write itself. Your documents will write itself. PowerPoint will generate images for you. Um, Excel will start to do the, the, the programming on your behalf. Uh, teams will just take uh, notes in real time. If you show up late for a meeting, it's going to summarize, hey, what, have, what has everyone been talking about um, for the last 20 minutes? I'm sorry, I was late. Um, Google just did the same thing to their entire suite. Adobe just did the same thing to their entire interface. Um, Every single company is rushing it. Spotify just did the same thing. Shopify just did the same thing. 
every single company is rushing as fast as possible to add artificial intelligence because it's kind of like the new mechanization. Right? It's like the industrial era basically augmented human labor by letting the machine do the work. Well, artificial intelligence is that in software for knowledge work, for cognitive work. So you're talking about everybody in the world who uses Microsoft Office on a day-to-day -day basis 10xing their capabilities or nine, reducing 90% of the cognitive load. Right? That's, that's what's happening. So is it not, not only is it mature enough, um, the ability to integrate it is, uh, is, is, is not that difficult. Um, and the power of it is such that if you don't, there will only be two kinds of companies at the end of the decade. Those that are using artificial intelligence and those that don't exist anymore. And so it's not um, – the reason Microsoft put $10 billion into OpenAI was because that was a deal because the, the power of that, this technology being integrated into their platforms gives them the one-up on Google. And so all of a sudden, you and I are just talking about Bing when you and I would never be talking about Bing because no one cared about Bing. Right? And all of a sudden, Bing talks back to you. Bing can summarize information for you. Um, so I encourage everyone listening here to just go to look up ChatGPT on, on the web. There's nothing technical you need to be able to do except to do that. Go to the website. You don't need to log in. And just ask it a question and see if you have a two-minute conversation or a 10-hour conversation. But you suddenly have something that is you know, essentially like a human-level expert on any topic that you can incorporate into any capability or any application or any need that, that you want. This is a staggering shift. This is a, you know, akin to electricity uh, you know, suddenly being available, but also being able to be integrated into everything within a, a period of a few years, not over decades. So we're seeing um, the entire landscape change. And this is the single most um, significant technological breakthrough uh, in decades, if not ever. And to the, to the point where every one of the largest tech companies in the world has pivoted their entire strategy around it. And so, yes, it, 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 is, it is mature enough. Uh, it is already changing the entire field. Um, and this is going to have not only a, a, amazing effects on productivity and efficiency, but McKinsey's predicting a 20% lift on global GDP by 2030 because you're talking about such radical productivity gains at such a major scale across every industry. So now every company in the world is trying to figure out, well, how do I add AI to what I'm doing? And this is where Versus comes in, essentially providing a platform, for an easy way for them to be able to do that without having to have a, a team of AI engineers like Google and Microsoft have uh, to be able to integrate these kinds of technologies. So, so this is obviously a conversation that uh, is much grander than we have time for. What do you wish that I would have asked you, and what do you want uh, our listeners to be left with for Versus? I think this was a, a great interview. You asked, uh, I think, many of the main questions that that, um, that investors, I think, really want to know when they're getting to know a, a new company, and I really appreciate uh, the opportunity today. Uh, I don't have any further questions. I think that, that uh, the main takeaways uh, are that I think we touched on them, but maybe just to highlight them again, 
um, this is a fundamental shift, shift in the entire um, landscape of, of technology. It'll be integrated into to everything in the same way electricity has been integrated into everything. Instead of a, of a toaster or refrigerator, you know, uh, or an electric car, you're going to have a smart toaster, a smart refrigerator, a smart electric car. It's going to democratize intelligence kind of like the way that the web did in, with information. So everyone has access to information. But not everyone has an access to an expert on every topic. But that's what's coming. In a way, you kind of think that that's what an app is today. The types of agents that we're talking about um, that we're releasing are kind of a, of a better class where instead of you interacting with the apps or the websites or the devices in your life, your agent's able to do that. So you don't have to order lunch from DoorDash or order an Uber from, from Uber or change your hotel reservation. You can just have your agent do it. Imagine the power of a personal assistant that can do investor research for you, that can basically look at your entire portfolio while you're sleeping, provide you synthesized and summarized updates on it. You can ask you questions like, what were the quarterly earnings for this company last year? Who are their competitors? Can you tell me the differences between their products? Can you keep an eye out for any regulatory changes that might impact my investments? How would that change your life? And now imagine the million other use cases of which those types of agents would be useful for. And now you can start to imagine the value of something like the Cosm platform that we're building that would allow basically anyone to customize uh, those types of agents, whether it's a developer who does it on your behalf or whether you'd like to do it yourself, um, and run, run on our platform in order to be able to uh, you know, use it any, anywhere and everywhere you go. Very good. Well, Gabriel, thanks so much for sharing, sharing the uh, Versus AI story. Thank you for your time today. Have a great one.